0: How's it going, Yankee fans? Welcome back to Fireside Yankees with your boys Alex and Ryan. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to hit that like and subscribe as always. We appreciate the love. Another game today, 1 p.m. You might be seeing this after. Um, Obviously, Juan Soto in the lineup again playing right field today couple of primary starters in today's game, so we're excited to kind of check out what the Yankees can put together. Obviously, lots of scoring production over the last two days, 22 runs and then 12 runs yesterday. Of course, we're going to ignore the 0-4 to loss to the Philadelphia Phillies because, honestly, we didn't have most of our starters in that game, so we're going to just forget about that one. But other than that, we had some really big standout performances. We're going to talk about three prospects we could see, like, if injuries or inconsistencies arise opportunities that could present themselves for a couple of these youngsters who could be ready to make an impact at the MLB level this upcoming season. But before we dive into those three specific players, Ryan, how you do today, my friend?
1: I'm doing great. And as you mentioned, you know, the Yankees have a really strong farm system that they're going to be able to pluck out some talent from in the situation of injury. Now, obviously, you know, the ideal situation is that everybody's healthy and the five guys you have in your rotation stick throughout the entire year. And, you know, you're starting nine, remains your are starting nine and all that stuff, your bullpen, your bench, everything kind of remains intact. But Alex, we don't live in a perfect world and we don't live in a world where guys uh, never get hurt. In fact, guys get hurt all the time. And, you know, the Yankees are going to have to be prepared for that, you know, just as much as it's important to have a great starting lineup and a great rotation. It's just as important to have quality reserves to step up in case of injury. And, you know, when when we look at this uh, roster, kind of the first thing that stands out to you as injury risk is the pitching staff. The pitching staff is obviously, that's the number one thing. That's what everybody's going to talk about. And I think that first guy up, at least when we're looking at just prospects, I know Weaver is the six starter, but we're looking at their farm system. The first guy I would foresee coming up is Will Warren. Now, Will Warren has an excellent five pitch mix, and he's been able to kind of, you know, utilize all five of those different pitches differently um he has a fastball that he has three fastballs a sinker four-seamer and a cutter the four-seamer and the cutter help him against lefties the sinker is excellent against righties his sweeper is a big pitch against righties as well can mix in the change up to lefties he does a really good job of mixing in everything and uh, and diversifying his looks and we've talked about this multiple times you know uh, it's interesting because it was a conversation Aiden and I had about Carlos Rodon about him adding a third pitch potentially and now he's tinkering with a cutter where the penalty for guys who only have two pitches when we're talking about second or third time through the order is almost twice as bad as for your average starter with like three or four pitches in their repertoire that they can go to reliably it is important to have a deep arsenal and I think that's a big part of uh what makes you a projectable starter and that's a big reason why I have high hopes for Will Warren and you know Alex you've also hammered this point home of like Hey, you need to be able to mix in your looks. You know, you, you constantly talk about needing other pitches. You can't, I'm not saying two-pitch pitchers can't have success. You know, Spencer Strider is one of the best pitchers in baseball, and he's been mostly a two-pitch pitcher's entire career. But even he's working on a third pitch, he just added a curveball. We'll see to what extent he uses that pitch. But you know, great pitchers tend to have more than two pitches. Another example, like Garrett Cole may be a fastball slider guy on paper, but the curveball, the cutter, they're all kind of mixed in there. The cutter has kind of taken uh, shape as his third pitch in recent weeks, uh, a recent year, excuse me, uh, but even if you're not talking about a pitcher who has a, a defined third pitch, just the ability to have three other pitches on top of the sinker and sweeper, which are like 60 to 70 grade pitches to go to, is really going to help his arsenal. And, you know, I'm really excited to see how the ground balls, the strikeouts, all that stuff plays. There are some really good sinker ballers on this team. You think Clay Holmes, you think Jonathan Wise but the guy I think about is Marcus Stroman. He might be, you know, one of the best sinker ball starters, you know, in the last decade for Major League Baseball because he's relied on that pitch. He's not a big guy, so he does have to be a little bit crap. A lot of stuff, So I do wonder whether there's any wisdom that he can impart on a guy like Warren. But ultimately, you know, I think Will Warren can certainly play a big role in this team if somebody were to go down and somebody were to get hurt.
0: Absolutely. I mean, look, we're already estimating the fact that the Yankees haven't brought in a Blake Snell or haven't gotten a Dylan Cease, haven't added that next premium level arm. That Will Warren is going to be cornered into having to play at some point. Um, You know he can be a spot starter. He can be your JP Sears for this year, for example. Kind of a guy that comes in, helps with some spot starts, helps out of the bullpen occasionally. You could even look to him as like a Johnny Brito. Like he is the he is the replacement for Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez. Brito last year helped in long inning relief, also had a couple starts. Um, I think that's probably how we see the Yankees use Will Warren eventually. Someone's going to get hurt. Eventually, someone's going to miss time. I mean, Marcus Stroman hasn't pitched over one hundred and forty innings in three years Carlos Rodon's coming off a year where he didn't pitch over 166 or rather 66 innings Um, not a lot 166 but 66 innings Um, so obviously Nestor Cortez in a similar boat Um, I think that Will Warren is going to have to step up he's going to have to play and he's going to get his feet wet in the MLB, and that's honestly what we want because Will Warren has the capacity to be a mid-rotation arm, in my opinion. Um, I don't think he's got Garrett Cole stuff, but I think he could be a good mid-rotation arm for the Yankees long-term, if not helping a variety of different diversified roles. Now, Chase Hampton's the guy I'm looking at, and people say, well, this kid this kid could be a, a top-flight starter. This could be a top-line starter. And I'm not saying that Will Warren can't be that. I would be more than happy to see him blow past any expectations, and I think he's got that level of stuff. I think right now, many people, many probably would categorize him as a mid rotation guy, but maybe the upside is certainly there for him to continue growing into his role at 22 years old, 24, 22. I think he's 24 now. So, you know, he's trying to get into that age where you want to see him start taking those big developmental steps. But, you know, the next guy I want to talk about here is Spencer Jones. Um, Spencer Jones, you know, I don't expect to see him. John Morosi thinks there's a real chance we could see him at. The halfway point in the season. If the Yankees don't want to call up Jason Dominguez immediately because he's coming off Tommy John surgery, he needs to get back into his groove. They're I mean, he's probably better off spending a good portion um, of this season when he comes back in triple A getting his bat under him, you know, just getting back into the swing of things. You don't necessarily need him. Spencer Jones will, you know, hypothetically have half a year of work already under his belt and he's already looking phenomenal in spring training. Obviously, we don't know what that will mean long term in terms of transitioning to the MLB. But but Jones has generational power. His hit tool is phenomenal. You're seeing he hasn't – and this is the craziest stat to me, Ryan. Spencer Jones, over what, like seven at-bats or something like that, has not whiffed on a pitch yet. He has not missed a pitch in the zone. Do you know how freaking crazy that is? I mean, like we talk about spring training stats. It's whatever. You know, water under the bridge. It's take it with a grain of salt. But there's something legitimately different about a player who just showed up and has faced, you know, 50 pitches, whatever, 40, 50 pitches, and hasn't swung and missed at a pitch yet. That is the type of upside that you want to continue investing in. Again, we don't know what he's going to be at the MLB level in the future. But if he goes to double A or even goes right to triple A and mashes, there could be an argument here that, well, you know, he has legitimate upside as as a really good center fielder. You know, is there a world, Ryan, where you see him battling for a reserve outfield spot? Maybe even battling with Trent Grisham. Let's say Grisham struggles. Last year hit 198. Was not a good offensive player. Um, But he's a two-time Gold Glove winning center fielder. So you obviously have the defensive value there. But if if they think, well, you know, Spencer Jones is a good defender but could also be a tremendous offensive piece. Is there a world, is there a realm where you see them calling up Jones at some point in the season if injuries occur or even if Trent Grisham is struggling and saying – Let's give let's give uh, Spencer Jones a shot here to steal a job.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to pump the brakes on Spencer Jones debuting in 2024 because of the fact you mentioned Dominguez, like Dominguez might not even play, you know, a significant amount of games on this team because of their outfield depth. The Yankees aren't going to rush Spencer Jones. They don't have a reason to rush Spencer Jones. Um, You know, if they had, like, an outfield situation like last year's where it's like, I mean, it was so bad last year that Jason Dominguez had a really good spring, and it was like, I mean, does Jason Dominguez end up on the team at some point in the first half, right? Like, I, I don't mean this to say that the Yankees are stacked in a way that it's impossible for them to need outfield help, but I'm saying this to say they're much better prepared with their outfield, and I think it was intentional so that they don't have to do something like oh my gosh, we got to call somebody up. Like, we, we're out of outfielders. You know, I, I don't like the idea of, you know, downplaying what prospects can be. But at the same time, I think we need to all be realistic. A 2024 debut for Spencer Jones means one of two things. And I want people to keep in mind why Jason Dominguez debuted last year. It wasn't just because he was really good. It was also because the Yankees were really bad. So, you know, Spencer Jones debuting might not be the good omen we think it is, right? That might mean, you know, Verdugo got hurt. Judge got hurt. Grisham got hurt. The team struggles. The team is is out of it, and they just kind of want to see what they have going forward. You know, that's that's another reason why guys could get called up. I don't think we see Austin Wells last year if Trevino stays healthy. I don't know if we see Pereira last year. Like this was something Joe McGlockie, the uh, hitting coordinator for the Yankees, uh, was talking about in uh, in an interview talking about Emerson Prayer, where he goes, you know, I'm not sure how many of these guys would have came up in a normal circumstance where the Yankees were competing and. I don't know, I just, I don't want, I don't, I think it's a bad, it might be a bad omen if Spencer Jones comes up, so I don't want people to think that Spencer Jones coming up is this, like, the final piece in a World Series run. Now, Granson, if he puts up an unbelievable stat line in AA, an unbelievable stat line in AAA, and just, like, 99th percentile outcome, guys balling out, you can't deny it. Uh, The Yankees need an outfielder, uh, not Jones. Uh, uh, Stanton is hurt or isn't playing well. Verdugo is hurt or isn't playing well. Grisham is hurt or isn't playing well. And you're like, man, we can't ignore this guy. This guy's balling out. Then you call him up, right? But that's 99th percentile outcome. That's like, if everything goes right, if everything clicks, if he's just unbelievable. And, you know, I think part of that thought process is just coming from spring training. And I feel like we kind of have to keep the same evaluation we had on him before spring training as we do now, which is start on a double A have a good year, and then earn a sporting job in the outfield in 2025. Could certainly see that happening, but yeah, I want to pump the brakes on Spencer Jones making a 2024 debut.
0: Yeah, no, I think, look, let me rephrase what I was trying to ask before, in the sense that Spencer Jones being called up is a worst case scenario because that means you need him. Um, we don't want to need Spencer Jones this season. That's why you have Verdugo, Juan Soto, Trent Grisham, uh, Grisham and and ultimately Grisham looking good so far. Three run homer um, over the weekend, having some good at bats. So you know, good start to his uh, career with the with the Yankees and the pinstripes. But Jones being called up would be not. Ideal because that means we're dealing with something um, and we need him, and that's not where you want to be. Obviously, last year we called up a ton of prospects because we were out of playoff contention, and we're like, you know, screw it, let's give these guys at bats against MLB level pitching. Um, I'm curious to see how Everson Pereira even cracks this roster anymore. At this point, I'm like, I I think they should have traded him when they when he had value last year, but you know, I digress. We'll see how they operate moving forward. It looks like he might be like a toss in piece, or maybe something you could try to move for a a Shane Bieber or something um, at the trade deadline in a couple months, but. You know, a third and and, and last kind of name here that we can throw out into the mix is Jorbit Vivas, second baseman. We acquired him in the trade this offseason. You know, Ryan, you're a big Jorbit Vivas guy. Uh, If the Yankees do have some issues in the infield, Oswald Praza has been horrendous over the last couple days. Again, not putting much stock in spring training and performances, um, but he has traditionally been a really bad spring training player. Last year lost the the shortstop job to Volpe. So, like – while we can say these spring training performances don't have much weight, don't hold much value, the truth is is they do sometimes. And the truth is that you could lose your job in spring training, just like Peraza did last year. We went into this offseason thinking Peraza was the primary utility man. I don't think so anymore. I think that Oswaldo Cabrera could be that primary guy, whether it's outfields or infields. Um, you could look at a Yorbit Vivas uh, and, and say to yourself, well, this guy's got some legit tools. This guy's got some legit, a legit glove. Um, maybe he could be something. Maybe he could be our, our utility man in the infield. You know, we'll see how that goes. Third base, as you said before the podcast started, is very much a question mark. Do you really want DJ LeMahieu at third base long term? What if he gets hurt? What do you do? Um, so, you know, what are your thoughts on Vivas? What his upside is? And do you think we could see him this upcoming
1: season? And how do you think that kind of would unfold? Yeah, so Jorbit Vivas is somebody I'm very excited by. I think the upside there is pretty enormous and pretty under-discussed. I mean, if you look at his swing, you kind of go this guy shouldn't struggle to hit for power. I know that his frame isn't great in terms of conducive for hitting for power. He is a smaller guy, uh, but it's impressive he has that swing and strikes out like 11% of the time. Like, it is a very steep bat angle, um, and I, I, I'm personally a guy who's like, you know, when it comes to bat angle, you need it to fit your play style. You need it to fit what you are as a hitter. Um, I, I think Vivas can rock with the steep bat, uh, bat angle because he's been able to make a ton of contact with it. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you that the strides he's made in spring training... Uh, Uh, you know, so far things look good. I can tell you that, you know, there are things the Yankees are very good at developing and that's game power. And if Vivas is able to tap into that, uh, we could see an impact player. We could see a guy who legitimately, like the, the thing that I've consistently heard from, people i talk to that follow the yankees farm system closely is that if the yankees move on from glaber torres it will not be because oswald peraza it will be because of Jordán vivas and you know as you mentioned with peraza are we going to sit here and start writing his eulogy as a player because he made two errors in spring training no but what we are saying is that that eulogy might have already been written that might have already happened for him his that time for him might have already passed by that spring training decision last year might have been more consequential than we think. It has altered the path of his career dramatically. He has not gotten a shot really since. And when he has played, he hasn't been very effective. Now, look, he has done some things to work on his mechanics. And he's done some things to clean that up. And I think there's a chance that, you know, with some of the tools he has, he is fast. He has some good strength. He is, you know, uh, he, he is an athletic player. Um, he does have to start it has to show though like he's not he's not guaranteed the first man up job because he's Oswald Peraza because he's built the organization for a while Jordan Vivas is no slouch Jordan Vivas was a top 15 prospect in the Dodgers organization and that is a stacked farm system he's a top 15 prospect in this organization and this is a pretty good farm system so you know I I think that everybody needs to pay attention to more to Vivas he's also left-handed so that's awesome right like having a left-handed infielder would be sick um And you can kind of imagine, you know, his defense at second base is pretty good. Like, I I know that there are some people who are lower on it, but the defensive production has been pretty good, uh, at least for data that has tracked minor league defense, which we should always take with a grain of salt, but it's not like they kind of like him, they overwhelmingly think he's an excellent defender at second base, and he can hold his own at third, I think he profiles for second base, you know, I hope that he was, I, I hope he's able to kind of handle third base, because we could really use his reps there, uh, but he profiles more as a second baseman, this trade with, with the Dodgers was talked about mostly for Victor Gonzalez, and understandably so, like, Victor Gonzalez is the guy we're going to see this year, and that was the moment where you're like, oh, I don't know if is e. coming back. So. You know, he was a pretty important piece and and Trey Sweeney obviously traded away in that deal, a former first round pick for the Yankees, but Vivas might be the most important player involved in that deal because he has an opportunity to, again, like not just get third base reps because third base is a question mark, but... Alex, this is a chance for him to become the Yankees second baseman of the future. And that is a mantle that we've kind of looked at Roderick Arias or, you know, George Lombard Jr. hit a home run yesterday. That was extremely exciting. Yankees first round pick from last year, Um, you know, guys like even Caleb Durbin in the farm system or, you know, Trey Sweeney when he was here or obviously Oswald Peraza. All of those guys have been named for a while. And now this new guy comes along and he might end up just stealing the show. And for Gleyber Torres, it's unfortunate to talk about like what the future at second base is because we all know Gleyber Torres is a good player. Um but the financial situation the Yankees are in, I mean, you can't you can't forego signing Juan Soto to acquire good like good players but aren't generational players. And we see this model consistently with major league teams. They will go the extra mile to pay for that unbelievable player and then kind of cheap out in other regards, but that's because they're confident they can develop pre-arbitration eligible players at different positions. look, Anthony Volpe wasn't a superstar last year, but Anthony Volpe was a better shortstop than the Yankees have had for a while, right? Like, for since Didi Gregorius was kicking it back in, like, 2018. 2019, Didi was not very good, so I'm not going to say him. But, uh, you know, getting a pre-arbitration player to be an average player at shortstop is a win. If Austin Wells is an above-average catcher, he's a pre-arbitration player. That's a win. If Will Warren can be a fifth starter, not a great starter, just a fifth starter pre-arbitration eligible that's a win if Clark Schmidt takes a step forward that's 2.6 million dollars for a spot in your rotation that's a win right like the bullpen the Yankees have completely cheaped down their bullpen and they have the best bullpen arguably in baseball those are wins those are things the Yankees you know are going to pay close attention to and you know when you're paying Aaron Judge you're paying Juan Soto when you're paying Garrett Cole you need to cut costs in other places and having guys like Vivas having guys like Jones having guys like Warren you know the point of this list isn't to just say these three guys are interesting it's also to say hey guys The Yankees are looking at these players and players like these guys to fill in big roles for them because financially speaking, that's the only way they can sustain keeping such an expensive core of players together. So um, yeah, I think Vivas is a very important player and I'm very excited to see him continue playing spring training.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely excited to watch him too. More data will give us more information on what his upside is and kind of how he will incorporate himself into the farm system this upcoming season. But guys, love to hear your perspectives down below. Any prospects that you think could sneak onto the roster or maybe play at some point this upcoming season? Of course, we're talking about guys here. Will Warren aside, he's probably going to get a lot of opportunities. But Spencer Jones and Vivas, probably much less. But... It's safe to say that they're making progress towards being MLB caliber players really soon, uh, whether it's this upcoming season at some point or in 2025. So we'll keep you guys updated on that as always. And if you want more information on the Yankee prospects specifically, go follow and subscribe to our Baby Bombers podcast because we're going to be talking about those guys and breaking them down all season long. So you're caught up and up to date with any you know fluctuating news and player performances from the minor league system. So appreciate that. And make sure to like and subscribe here on Fireside Yankees. And we'll catch you guys on the next Friday, Side Yankees episode.